scripture reading this morning will be coming from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. But I do not want to be ignorant, brethren, considering those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord will by no mean proceed those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven within a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the okay. then who are alive and will remain shall be caught up those with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus shall say, will be always the Lord. Therefore, comfort in one another with these words. morning. The coming of the Lord has always been a topic, excuse me, of interest for Christians. No different in the first century. Theirs may have been a little different than ours in that One, I appreciate you sharing. I'm not returning it, though. It it seems that those in the first century may have been anticipating the return of the Lord within their lifetime. And as time unfolded and the Lord had not returned, There were those that were, who had been faithful to God, who were dying. And there was some concern about what happened to those who died before the Lord returned. Were they going to miss out on this resurrection or what may have been involved? So Paul is taking the time here to remind the Corinthians or the Thessalonians a little bit more about what was involved. Thank you. If you remember the Thessalonians in the second chapter of First Thessalonians, down at verse 13. Paul was grateful for the Thessalonians for when they received the word of God which they heard from Paul they welcomed it not as the word of men 
But as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. And then he's going to remind them there in the reading this morning. But I would not have you be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. Trying to grasp or to understand this coming of the Lord can be rather difficult at times. We think with a finite mind trying to grasp something that's infinite. We're trying to perceive of his coming again in the only way that we can in terms that we understand. His coming in the clouds. His coming with saints, as it is mentioned here, we'll look at as well. Those that have been dead in Christ rising, and those that are alive being changed. And we try to picture all of that with imagery that we understand and comprehend. And we try to put it in a time sequence, if you will. This is going to happen, and this is going to happen, and this is going to happen, and they're going to follow down in steps. And sometimes we forget, as Paul mentioned to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 50 and 51 to 52, that when it takes place, it will happen in the twinkling of an eye. One. Two is we have this visual image that we would think of Christ of his descending and again we look with a a time frame sometimes failing to realize that Jesus has always been that he transcends the universe that he is a spirit and not a physical body as he lived on this earth but when he comes again it will not be in that physical body type of situation But he did not want to have them ignorant of what was going to take place. Paul, as he wrote to the Romans in the the 10th chapter, he had a desire for his brethren that they might be saved. They had a great zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. And being ignorant about God's righteousness, they sought to establish their own righteousness and had not submitted to the righteousness of God. Submitting to God's righteousness, the trusting of his will as he's writing to us, 
trying to encourage us to have an understanding of what's going to transpire in what we call that last day. It's hard to even begin to imagine this earth, all of its elements, the universe being destroyed and gone, if you will, in that twinkling of an eye. And everything that we see is going to already have taken place. The change, the dead in Christ. John had talked about the dead in Christ, or the dead, in the Gospel of John in chapter 5, verses 28 and 29, that there will be a resurrection one day. The resurrection of the righteous for reward and the resurrection of the wicked for punishment. But it's that one twinkling of an eye that all of that takes place. The dead in Christ will rise. And we try to imagine that time frame again of, of how are the spirits that are in the place of paradise being reunited with a body that's been reshaped, if you will, physical body to that spiritual body. And all of that taking place to rise to meet the Lord in the air. And God who cannot lie has promises for his children. Ours is to trust in who he is and what he's promised. Ours will not fully comprehend the finite mind even with the imagery that he gives in the pages of his word to see what will take place. There is something that happens to the soul when the body dies. Jesus reminds us of that in Luke 16 as he talks about the rich man and Lazarus. Both died Lazarus was carried to Abraham's bosom, and the rich man was woke in torments. It's interesting, again, in the terminology that the, the plural is used, he woke in torments, not just in torment, but in torments. But there was consciousness after death. So they're there and waiting for this great day to come along. But don't sorrow as those who have no hope. There is sorrow in the loss of loved ones. We've all gone through that. But they're not to be a sorrow as those who have no hope. They try to mask it in a variety of different ways. But for the Christian and for those who die in the Lord, There is this anticipation that when the Lord comes again, Paul is emphasizing when God comes with Jesus and the saints with him, reminding ourselves of Psalm 139 and verses 7 and 8. Well, the psalmist is asking, where can I go from the Spirit of the Lord? Wherever I go, he's there. 
If I go to the heavens, he's there. If I go down to Sheol, the place of the dead, he's there. He is everywhere. We try to limit him, if you will, to this, this, uh, a time frame and an imagery that we have of him. We talk about it even in the songs when he comes again. Of forgetting that he is that spirit. And that he transcends this universe in which we live. He is there everywhere. And when he comes, our hope does rest in that death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. What Paul brings out in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 4. It's all according to the scriptures. The death, the burial, and the resurrection. And that's where our hope is. Is that resurrection, his ascension back to the Father. And him being, and us being with him through eternity. We want to say this by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain until the coming will not precede those which sleep. They were working that concept. Those who died had they missed the resurrection. Way down through the centuries would have the understanding that and through the comfort of the scriptures, that those who have preceded us in death will not miss that coming of the Lord. But they will rise first. And again, right to 1 Corinthians 15, in that twinkling of an eye, that short time frame, it's not going to be drawn out as somewhat to, to think that it may be. God who had created a universe by a spoken word. God who sustains this universe by a spoken word. And God who will bring an end to this universe by that spoken word. Would have no problem with what is described here. In 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 13 through 18, of it being done in the twinkling of an eye. All those changes taking place. Jesus reminds us in John 14, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And again, that using of terminology that we can relate to, trying to describe a place that doesn't have physical qualities to it. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again to receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. That promise of his coming again. Mentioned in Acts chapter 1, verse 11, the angel telling the apostles as they watched Jesus ascend into the heaven, this Jesus who you see him has, has ascended will come again in like manner, in like manner. Paul is expressing that he's coming and those that are on the earth will be changed and they will meet the Lord in the air and we shall be forever with the Lord.
No indication. No hint of his ever stepping foot on the earth again. As he ascended, so shall he descend. Then Paul adds, we will ascend to meet him as he comes down. We'll meet him in the air. What a glorious thought that is for the child of God. What a hope it is that we have that we could be a part of that which will be eternal with God. That shout, the voice of the archangel, the trump of God, all of this will take place very briefly, very quickly. It's the thought, though, for the Thessalonians. Some of those were guilty then as there have been many followers of that mindset since then. Some of the Thessalonians had evidently believed that since Jesus was coming immediately or soon within their lifetime, that they would simply quit work, gather white robes, get on the high mountain, and wait for him to come. And Paul had to address that. If they will not work, neither shall they eat. And there have been many who follow that, thousands upon thousands down through the centuries, who have done the same thing. Quit work, gave away everything they had, got their white robes, ascended to some mountain or some place and gathered together to wait for the Lord's coming again. But of that day and of that hour that the Lord shall come again, no man knows, save the Father only. No one is going to be able to figure out time schedule-wise, and they've tried that down through the years. I mentioned before, I have a book in my library, 88 Reasons Why Christ Will Come in 1988. The author made the statement that he had well searched it out, researched it, documented it, double-checked it, triple-checked it, and there's no way that he can make any mistakes in his calculation. It could not be from man. It had to be from God. 1988 came and went. He revised his book in 89, said he miscalculated. But he said in the first edition, he could not miscalculate. It had to be from God. 1989 came and went. And he came and went. Uh, Information on him following about 1990 of what happened to him. But that thought of trying to predict on the one side and on the other side the thought that the Lord could come as quickly as described in that twinkling of an eye at a time when man least expects it to be like a thief in the night If you know what time the thief is coming, you're going to be prepared. But if you do not know, it's hard to be, unless you are always prepared, to be prepared for his coming. For the Christian is striving to walk in the light as he is in the light. 
As a Christian, it is understanding that our life is imperfect. Again, if you absolutely knew with certainty, without a moment's hesitation, that in ten minutes this world would be over, what would you do? I promise you, you could not do everything that you believed you ought to be doing before he came. Utterly impossible. But yet you're to live each life along that line. So one is to recognize we're imperfect, but we're washed in the blood of the Lamb. Does not give excuse for not doing what we need to do. But it is that reminder that it's not us. It's the blood of Christ that saves. And it's our applying his blood to our life. But it's reading passages like 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. 1 Corinthians 15. Other passages that could be mentioned. Look at, again, John 5, verses 28 and 29. Understand that as you look at that one, when you die, you're already described as either being righteous or wicked. Same thought being brought out in 2 Thessalonians 1. It's about verse 5 through 9. That he's going to deal out his retribution on those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel. It's only right and fair and just for God to do that. But for the Christian, it's that surrendering of the will to God. It's that trusting that his will is going to be worked out. And ours is to do what he's given us to do. Walk in the light. Live a life so that death that can come so unexpectedly. That you'd be among those who have put their trust, their hope, and their soul in the light of God. But where are we? As physical beings... We live with a time frame. Physical beings, we we live with a sense that there's time. The scriptures remind us now is the time. Today is that day of salvation. There is no promise of tomorrow. And so we have to work on the spiritual side. Make the change as we have that opportunity. Because again, as you read the scriptures, just the thought that when he comes, it's over. There's no, let me make an adjustment. 
the twinkling, the twinkling of an eye. We do not even begin to comprehend. I've heard estimates of how long that is, time frame wise, and the minute time frame. But that doesn't even describe it. What we use to describe pales in comparison to the reality. And we need to understand God's love, God's patience, God's sacrifice, God's long-suffering has not a license, but by his grace and mercy, allowing us time to prepare for something that's out of this world. And to want to anticipate Times I have to remind myself, we have to remind ourselves that the things that I do that can jeopardize my missing, being raised to meet the Lord in the air, or to be raised from the dead to meet the Lord in the air. Either way, I'm going to be raised to meet the Lord in the air. That I would jeopardize that for something that really does not matter. It's only temporary. Are we ready for that day? Jesus is coming soon. Just the thinking of it. And again, in our mind frame, we have oftentimes, yes, I've seen Jesus is coming soon. But I'm expecting him to come later. But he's coming. The question would be, are you ready? Are you ready for his coming? In that moment, are you ready for him to come? As you look at your life, As you look at your relationship, is it where God wants it to be? Not are you where you want to be, is it where God wants you to be? And if you need to make a change, if you need to make an adjustment, now is the time. And if we could assist you, it would be to become a child of God. If we could assist you in making the change in your life so that you can meet the Lord when he comes. If we could help you in any way. If you will respond, we'd be glad to talk to you and help you as we can. If you come as together, we stand and sing.